fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from stress. And stress is an inevitable factor in your life and in the lives of the people in your organization. A fit, healthy team is an energized, effective team, but it is not enough to just tell your people what to do, you need to show them. If you want your people to have a better quality of life and a more rewarding career, then it is vital that you lead from the front. Your choices, your behaviors are in the spotlight. My name's Jay Unwin, it's time to get fit to lead. If you're looking to improve the fitness and well-being of your people, as well as your own of course, then tickets are now available for my personal and professional development event Fit to Lead Live in Bristol next March. Head to fitbodyfitmind.online slash FTL for the full rundown of speakers, topics, plus loads more info. Get yourself booked in, bring your team, and I'll see you there. Hey Sarah, how are you doing? I am super duper, thank you. How are you? I am very, very well, thank you very much. I'm a little sleepy because I went out for a very uh, I went out for a late walk in what was torrential rain and it was a terrible error. Um, it was enjoyable, but it was way rainier than I thought it was gonna be. So I'm a little bit tired today. Uh, late late as in what in the middle of the night late. oh no you see i'm not i'm not as young as i used to be sarah so late for me means that i left the house um after dinner <laughs> that's that's what late means to me now i got home about half it really past, was dark yeah it was dark it was dark it was dark from about 4 30 i think exactly um, yeah no i went out i went out about half seven and i got home at about half ten I uh, went out for a little walk with some friends, um, had to drive there. So it was a little bit, you know, it was a 40 minute drive to go for this walk where we wanted to go. Um, and we thought, oh, the, the, the rain will ease off. It didn't ease off, Sarah. It didn't no. ease off. It got worse. Did it mess your hair up, Jay? Uh, no, because I cut it all off um, earlier in the day. So it was fine. <laughs> Sarah, we're going off on a tangent already. <laughs> <laughs> we're going off on a tangent already. Sarah, before this descends into yes, complete yes. anarchy, um, yes, I will which ask we you. Love. We do love. We do love. I am an anarchist at heart. Um, I'm going to ask you a, a very important question that I ask everyone okay. um, at the start of these chats, and that is, what does fitness mean to you? Ooh, um, fitness to me is all about doing what you need to do to keep your mind healthy and if your body benefits as well then that's great but actually it's more about mind um that might have changed slightly actually in my perception of that as i've got older probably because the body the body doesn't tend to do exactly what it used to do when it was 25 or 30 years old but very much now about mind benefit and then body as a secondary what's really interesting about how you've kind of phrased that now almost everyone that i've had a chat to um, especially within this series. In fact, in the last series as well, I think everyone has got more of a um, an approach which in, involves the body and the mind rather than the body alone. And, um, you know, I've had conversations with people about this and about whether this is a kind of um, a sea change in the fitness industry and stuff like that as well. And, and the way that fitness is communicated in the media has become more holistic over the past kind of, you know, maybe five to 10 years. Uh, and I think that is part of it. Um, and <laughs> part of it as well, I think, is maybe the fact that I like to talk to people who've got that opinion. You know, we, we kind of create a maybe. bit of a, an echo chamber around ourselves with people with similar opinions, which I try not to do, but it does happen. Um, 
But what I found really fascinating about the way you phrased it wasn't that it was encompassed both sides, but actually that you said it's to do with what's good for your mind and then the body benefiting is a secondary benefit. Whereas most people, even if they incorporate both, they often go, well, I do stuff which is good for my body and it may have a positive effect on my mind as well as a knock-on which is like completely, mm. it's something you've completely inverted there, um, which really is really interesting. Well, I do like to do things differently. You know that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think, yes, we do attract people that have a similar mindset. I get what you've just said, but also I wonder whether as we're getting a little bit more grown up, um, we worry less about the physical appearance and have more, or maybe it's just, I have much more awareness now because of what I do about, the impact my mind has on how I feel about my body. So mm. I could change everything physically about myself if I wanted to. I could go under the knife if I wanted to uh, and change it all, but it wouldn't change how I feel about myself. And um, that is something that I'm far more aware of now than ever um, because that's what leads to more happiness, not whether, you know, your bits are in the right place and they haven't gone down south a little bit, things like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it does come with experience to a degree. Um, and obviously time is a big element when it comes to experience, but not necessarily because there's, there's people I've met who are um, relatively young who've already had that realisation. And then there's people I've met who are, um, you know, much later in life who still have huge hang-ups on the way they look. And again, this is not something that I'm blaming them for um, because we're constantly bombarded with with certain messages which make us feel a certain way. And, you know, society and and all the rest of it has a a big role to play in how we feel uh, and the kind of the the narratives that we tell ourselves. Um, But yeah, I think that 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 experience of, and that realization of um, how physical appearance doesn't have quite the effect that we uh, that we think it's gonna gonna have. And as I'm as I'm talking, it, it I'm trying to realize I'm trying to remember the point where I um, maybe had the biggest realization along that front. And I think it's when you achieve certain physical goals and realize it adds maybe. absolutely nothing to your life. And <laughs> and so if you if you don't achieve yes. those goals, you're still striving for them because you think that will bring you happiness I mean my example that I always use is having a, a visible six pack I nearly said having a six pack but we've all got a six pack because it's there it just is yes, often covered just by yeah. other other tissue um, and and <laughs> beer so layers and yeah, food layers exactly and uh, and so the for, for, for guys, that's like a holy grail thing when it comes to fitness, um, in inverted commas, um, because we're constantly seeing the word fitness next to pictures of people with six packs. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that was a goal of mine for a long time. And it's a goal of a lot of men, whether they're kind of working towards it or not, a lot of men think they'd like to have one. And then I got one and it was pretty shit, to be honest. <laughs> like it was it didn't add anything to my life but I just kind of got to that point I was like ah oh, I've done it yeah. well now, now what yeah exactly it was just like I've I've yeah. made myself miserable for months and deprived myself of a lot of enjoyment in life for what and that was that was well, a big realisation for me yeah I think it's a lot to do with intent isn't it if you think about what, what the intent is for doing it if it is because you think it's the holy grail and it's going to give you the future 
that you've always dreamt of or it's going to give you some magic key to do something, you're in for a nasty shock. It's when you have the right intent, which is I know this is good for me and I'm doing it because it makes me feel good and and it will make me look better as well. Then, then you have achieved it and you've achieved it every time you go. And this is the problem with any goal setting exercise, not just in physical fitness, but everything is if, if all we do is pin our hopes on that goal, that's a massive goal that's in a year's time or six months time. If that's all we do, we, every day we feel like a failure. Whereas if every day we look at what I did today, it's a best way to go a bit to this sort of gratitude journal side of things, which I don't keep, but I do notice when I've done something well and I do try and make a note of that. But if I focused only on what I wanted to achieve at the end of December 2022, that means today I'm a failure. Right, yeah. And that isn't healthy. So what I look at is I know what I want to achieve December 2022. What do I need to do today to do that? And that might involve I can't think straight, so I need to go to the gym. Yeah, because it needs to unplug my mind so it's free to think and not because I might lose a pound in weight. Yeah. That's yeah. A sec- that's my secondary. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think that there is a it is an interesting balance to to be able to kind of um I guess reconcile future goals with daily practice. Um mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things you mentioned as well, where you were just like uh, about kind of looking better. And one of the things which kind of popped into my mind as you said that was how subjective that is as well. Because what, what, oh, what one person um, thinks looks better is not necessarily going to be another what another person thinks looks better. And we're, we're obviously fed an ideal and we're fed certain things which go, this is the ideal body or this is the ideal life or this is the ideal car or this is the ideal house and all of these kind of things. Um, but really, it's there. there is no objective good because... Um, someone who is uh, attractive to one person is not going to be attractive to the other. And so what I learned is that, and in fact, I I, I wrote some posts on this recently, which was about um, if you... If you care about your appearance, that's not necessarily vanity. Vanity is like an obsession with self to, to the detriment mm-hmm. of other things. But if uh, sometimes people are made to feel guilty for wanting to change their appearance, it's almost like the pendulum swung the other way. And it's like, oh, you should be happy with how you are. And it's like, yeah, cool. But you can be happy with how you are and still change things in the same way as you yeah. can be happy with how your life is or how your business is um, and, and still want to change and improve things. Um, an analogy that I used to like to use is treating your body like a, you know, when people have got like a classic car in their garage, like an, like an old car that they love and they spend their weekends tinkering with the engine and shining the chrome and all of this kind of stuff. They don't work on that car because they hate how it looks they or, or hate how it works. They work on it because they love it. They love it. Mm. They love that vehicle. And so what they want to do is they want to they want to give it some attention. They want to care for it. And I'm like, if you can treat your body and your mind the same way, where you go, I want to change it not because I hate it. I want to change it because I love it. I want to work on it because I love it. And I'm and, and I enjoy the process. And it's it's mm. it's gratifying in that way. Um, that can be a real a real change in uh, in in how you approach things. And if you take Completely. out other people's opinions or societal expectations of what is attractive, um, and go, well, what do I want to look like? You know, what do I like to see when I look in the mirror? 
Um, not what do other people like to see, but what do I like to see, and what do I like to act like? You know, what, how, how do I? What do, what values and characteristics, not just physical ones, but mental and emotional and spiritual characteristics, do I value, and how can I embody those rather than the values that um, other people are telling me are uh, are valuable? Yeah, and and that's when we start moving into this bit about mindset and having an unshakable belief in yourself and what is valuable, what is true, what is real um, and what's really important. And when we place the wrong value on how we look, which many of us have done and many of us will continue to do and think that's what's what gets us to where we need to be, we have a real shock. And I, I've got a, a bit of a... Um, an honest revelation for you, which I wasn't expecting to share today, but I will because we've just got here. It's not that exciting. But um, I believed that because I could, I could look okay, I could look attractive. That was why I was good at what I did. Uh. And, and then as I started to get older, and this isn't trying to blow my own trumpet, you know, I was tall, I was blonde, I could put nice clothes on, whack the makeup on, I looked all right. But as you get older and that all starts to fail a little bit and it's not so easy to, to look like you did, you start to realise that it wasn't how you looked that got you where you got. It was how you did what you did that got you where you got. And that has been so powerful for me now hitting 50 uh, and, and actually really struggling with that thought is, oh, my God, if I'm not able to look the way I did 20 years ago, does that mean I'm now crap at what I do? And I know it sounds bonkers because obviously the answer is no, you've got, you've got to be where you are because of all the hard work you put in. But it's amazing the, the um, amount of thought I put into the physical aspect of my success, um, which is actually quite embarrassing to admit. But I hope it helps somebody listening to this that I think quite a few of us have probably done it and it's not true. That is quite a quite a profound thought, really, isn't it? Because we are, I mean, it's it's pretty it's a pretty commonly held belief that we're the our own worst critics in a lot of ways, and we're always hard on ourselves more so than we are on other people. Usually, um, obviously, some people aren't. Some people are dicks to other people and love themselves, but they are few and far between. <laughs> Most of the time, we're nice to other people and dicks to ourselves, and yeah. and that kind of. It's t- it ties in with like that imposter syndrome, doesn't it? It's like, well, I can't be this good at what I do. It must be because of something else, like how I you're look. Abso- do you know what? You're absolutely right. It's, um, you know, considering I, I work with imposter syndrome on a daily basis and practically all of my clients, practically most people that we know who are being successful suffer with it in some shape or form. And actually, just as an aside, there was something recently that um, Stephen Bartlett, uh, Diary CEO Stephen Bartlett, posted about David Gandhi, who is, in my eyes, the picture of God, um, you know, beautiful male model, and he suffers with imposter syndrome. Yeah. Now, you can't be any more gorgeous or any more successful as a model than he is, and he still suffers. So it it kind of, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, a, it's just the, the more you have doesn't mean the less you have imposter syndrome. Um, we all suffer from it for, from some some shape or form in our lives, but actually attributing our physical presence to that and associating it with our success is actually quite 
well, it's scary and it's pointless and it's unnecessary and it's dangerous as you start to get older because you ain't what you were when you were 25 years old. You never will be. No, and and there's so many things which affect it. One of the things that I found most um, kind of empowering in terms of realizations and things like that. I mean, seeing as we're on the topic of empowering realizations, was mm. actually how little I control. And mm. this was a this was a, a strange one because um, you know humans love to control things, and and this is why. Um, you know, sometimes I, I, I bring up things like the law of attraction and things like that because, um, and I'm going to try not to slate it too much, um, but the, the idea that we can control everything which happens to us by attracting it, by manifesting it and things like that. Uh, and it really appeals to people. It, it, mm. it, it almost preys upon this need to control things because the world is chaotic and it's scary, right? Chaos is scary. If, we, if, if things are uncertain, the last couple of years have borne this out better than kind of any other lesson we've had in recent history. Uncertainty is is all around us, and and so we try and cling on to any any idea that we can control things. So um, we can control how much money is in our bank account by manifesting it. We can control uh, how successful our relationships are by manifesting it, just by thinking and feeling enough. Um, but the problem there is when things don't go our way, which they inevitably won't because of chaos, we are at the mercy of a lot of stuff which is outside our control. We're in, like, and some of that is other people's decisions and actions. If other people do stuff which affects us, that's not our fault. We did not have control over that. Um, and so when those things do go wrong, we blame ourselves because we think, oh, we must have attracted this. We must have manifested this somehow. And I've been through all of this absolute garbage. Sorry, I said I wasn't going to slate it too much. And um, <laughs> and then one of the most empowering realizations was that you actually, know you're speaking to a mindset coach, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> but I, no, I, I actually do. I, I I absolutely agree with you. And and actually, I was running a a webinar a few weeks ago. And someone said, oh, so what you're saying is it's all about positive manifestation, to which I said, absolutely not. I th also think it's garbage because on its own, it's utter crap. When you add positive manifestation and positive mental attitude with a whole load of hard work, yeah. good decisions, yeah. growth, development, more hard work, oh, and a massive dose of resilience, which, by the way, isn't just a pick yourself up and dust yourself off. Resilience is all about knowing that the life life is not rose tinted and that shit will happen and you will struggle and knowing that you will find a way around that that's resilience that's when it works because your 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 ability to you're doing something to make it happen but also you have you do things realistically so my my son's great at this actually um i'll say to him anything is possible i'm trying to teach both my kids that anything is possible and his answer is, well, you can't build a house in 10 seconds. I'm like, no, well, maybe you can one day. But but he's actually 3D got printers. it. Uh, yeah, well, exactly. But he's he's got it already in that it isn't just the positive manifestation. Yeah. You've got to, it's got to be realistic. You've got to put the hard work in. Absolutely. I think this is the, the, the anything is possible mantra. It comes from a good place. I, yes. I, I genuinely believe that it comes from a good place. To be honest... I, I believe that most stuff in life comes from a good place. Most things that people do, for the most part, come from a good place. People are trying to do their best. They, they genuinely believe that what they are doing is, um, is, is good. And even people who do things which are quite um, 
seemingly from the outside or from different perspectives, you just go, that's a really, that's that's not a cool thing to be doing. Um, they genuinely think that's a good thing. They didn't go up, get up in the morning and go, I am going to be a horrible person today. Like that well, doesn't but, tend yeah, to happen. But- this is um, this is a really good point because I remember somebody saying to me once years ago, uh, talking about positive intent. Even murderers have a positive intent. Yeah, people yeah. who commit serious crime have a positive intent, and and their intent is to to fulfil themselves in some way. It's still a, it doesn't mean it's positive to the rest of the world. No, it's when we can turn that into how can I make this a positive intent for everyone, including me. Yeah, yeah. That it becomes a great yeah, intent. True. I mean, like, I, I, I don't like to bring up kind of the... I always feel like as soon as you bring up Hitler, it's like one of the most extreme things you can bring up because it was... Bring what, it on. You're talking yeah. to a Jew here. Bring it on. Let's go. So the... <laughs> if the, the Jewish girl can take it, anyone can. Yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens and whether we actually end up publishing this or not. But the... the <laughs> this is, so I, I can just see the headlines now, you know, Jay Unwin condones Hitler. I'm not condoning Hitler at all. No. What he did was absolutely abhorrent he was he was i don't like to use the word evil because i don't believe in inherent kind of good and evil and stuff i think that's a gross oversimplification um but what what he did was catastrophic it was horrendous there is almost nothing in history which stands up to that level of horror absolute horror and yet he thought he was doing the right thing exactly he was just like and this is this is the thing i think by labeling someone like that as evil is a cop out this guy had worldviews f- which had developed from somewhere that that dehumanized entire groups of people to the point mm. where he believed the world was better off without them and i can't get my head around that i cannot get my head around how someone could believe something um so vile to me, that is just vile. And to, you know, almost every single person on the planet, it's vile, bar a few kind of um, extremists. Guess, extremists, yeah. And, yeah. and and yet Hitler didn't get up in the morning and go, I'm going to ruin the world today. And yet that's what his actions essentially did. Mm. It's really it's really weird. I mean, I, I come at this obviously from a, a, a personal angle in that it's... It's my history. Of course. Um, and, and I remember learning about it as a kid and being terrified of being Jewish yeah. in case someone hated me for it. So, God, yeah. there's another revelation for you today. It was all coming out. It's like a self-help session, this is. Um, and I don't think I've ever really got over that. Um, I very rarely will tell people that I, I, I am Jewish. I don't follow the Jewish religion at all now. And that becomes from being bullied at school for being a Jew and then wanting to disassociate from it. Wow. But anyway, uh, the fact about him being evil. So the way our brains work is that from the day we're born, we learn to do what we think is right from everything we've experienced. Yeah. I do believe that there was some evil in him. I do believe there was some devil in him because... There was such a, the way normal, normal, whatever normal is, the way most humans behave is not to hurt each other unless they are in threat. Yeah. And what he saw as a threat was so, I don't know what the word is, misconceived. Um, It it almost doesn't seem strong enough, does it? It it, it doesn't. It's so, it's so awful. Uh, And you can't begin to imagine. But I also know that, 
there are always two ways of seeing something, maybe three, maybe four. And he just chose to see things in a different way. What I will say about him is that he was one hell of a leader because his vision of the perfect life was so powerful that he could convince otherwise normal, neurotypical, what I don't know what you want to call them, people who didn't have this desire to hurt others, follow him, believe it was right. I mean, that's one hell of a leader. The, the thing, and this is something that I've actually had a conversation with someone about before. It's it's such it's such a a, a kind of again there's no there's not really any words for it is it it's such a it's such a horrendous ideology it. yeah. it's such a horrendous ideology that the fact that you could you could get an entire population behind you to support these actions of mass destruction of human life yeah. the fact that you can you could ever be able to justify that to people when it comes to yeah i mean like as i i guess leader being a leader in that sense is one way of putting it um but it's a very manipulative form of leadership isn't it i i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend anybody follows that no no um by by any stretch but um but he's convinced it's swathes of people through manipulation yeah, it was manipulation. So so the questions are, and I'm sure psychotherapists have had a field day with this, and, and, and I'm sure he is labelled as a psychopath, a narcissist, and all sorts of things, that, all, all these labels. But he found people who wanted to believe. I guess it's like any religion, isn't it? If you, just because I don't believe in Buddhism or I don't believe in another type of religion doesn't mean it's not true it's just not true to me but he found people that wanted to believe in his i guess it was like a religion to him that the place would be a better or the world would be a better place without dark skin jews uh, asians uh, whoever he decided to to pick upon um it's 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 beyond understanding and and if and if we read this in a hundred years and when there was no proof it had ever happened you'd just go no way no, because it seems no ludicrous. No way. No one would ever follow that. No one would. No. And yet, and yet they did. Um, it's think, horrific on every level. I think one of the one of the um, one of the things you were you were saying there in terms of kind of the the making the world a um, or his his idea of this is making the world a better place and that level of again positive intent negative outcome like mm. horrifically negative outcome um positive intent because of his complete warped view of how the world is um mm-hmm. how the world should be and all the rest of it um what he was doing was he preyed upon people's discontent and he preyed mm. upon people's fears and he preyed upon you think they were coming out of um a, a severe depression financial depression economic crash everyone was desperate and he was appealing to the working class um german population who were who'd spent the last decade completely fucked like their lives were screwed and he gave them a scapegoat and i feel like sometimes this is used in marketing the set not to not to uh i guess conflate marketers and hitler 
Um, I feel like I would get a lot of backlash if I did that. Very dangerous move, this is. I think this whole whole conversation is dangerous. This has gone away that I didn't expect. But I think that we're handling it well so far. Um, You know, you know this is going to happen with me. You just knew it, right? Yeah, I did. I did. I had red flags all over this appointment. Um, But the, the, this, this, the fear and discomfort and, um, hardship that people face and they look for scapegoats and if someone gives them a scapegoat it allows them to um to rationalize what's happened to them um because and this is the thing i'm a big fan of personal responsibility and this you know the the kind of um you don't have to do what other people have sold you you don't have to follow um you know the masses You've no, got but it takes strength of yeah. It, it takes d- strength of character and will does. not to do that. Yeah. And not and not everyone has that. <clears throat> I mean, we could we can talk about these kind of um, characteristics and these kind of admirable admirable qualities of um, self determination and strength of character and things like that to be able to stand up and say, you know what, I'm not going to do this. And moving away from genocide for a moment yes. let's, let's nice. we've done that let's bit. go to let's go let's to, a go to something a little now. bit less severe um okay but like if you you don't have to you don't have to follow the pack and and we lord these um these these qualities but it's not always as easy to have those qualities as the kind of hyper individualistic personal development world will have us think and say oh you just mm. just make a different decision and it's like no but the, mm-hmm. but we've got so much baggage from everything we've experienced and everything we've been taught over the years, we've been conditioned into a certain way. So it's not just as easy to go, oh, I'm not going to do that because because you are the product of, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of conditioning. And so yeah. it's very difficult. And, and this is why I think that organisations have a duty of care um, to support their people to make good decisions because they're in positions of leadership where... Uh, and then positions of authority where they are listened to, whether their employees bitch about them or not, they are listened to, even by people who don't like them, um, because of this position of authority. And we've been programmed over over a long time to believe positions of authority. It's In fact, it's genetically programmed into us because it stopped us dying as a child. Back in, mm. you know, um, caveman days, tens of thousands of years ago, if a person in a position of authority said, don't go into that cave, there's a bear in there, we'd go, okay, well, well I won't yeah. go into that cave then. If yeah. we did go into that cave and there was a bear in there, we'd die and that gene of rebelliousness is is wiped out. So the gene of um, following authority is selected for in natural selection, in evolution. And mm-hmm. so we are programmed to believe people in positions of authority. And so if you're in a leadership position in an organisation, you have a duty of care to be a... Um, benevolent leader you 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 can facilitate the personal responsibility you can't take all responsibility for the people in your team everyone's got to take responsibility for themselves but you can facilitate that by um, your actions and the messages that you are, uh, are putting out through through your uh, through your organization and you're right and first I mean this is something I try and capture with the work that I do it's really hard is that I am a leadership coach. However, all of the work I have to do first is around mindset and self-leadership because it's very rare people come to me already good at understanding 
how and why they do what they do. And until they do that, how on earth can they have the right intent on the masses that they're working with and for? Um, because their message will be skewed or misheard in certain ways, which is where all the skills training then comes in. So a lot of people try and do what you're saying and, and they have a real positive intent. That's what they're attempting to do. But if they haven't invested in themselves first, how are they ever going to be able to get that message across in the right way to more people more of the time? Now, this isn't to say that you'll get it right with all of the people all of the time because someone will always choose not to listen that's up to them i mean you look at kids i'm just thinking about your this we're ingrained to to have authority and to to look up to authority mm. you look at the kids now i sound like my mom but look at the kids these days and, <laughs> and 50 percent still do i'm giving really rough figures these are not based on anything other than my own you know what i think 50% do, and I know 50% that don't. And what's going to come through in the workplace as leaders are getting the younger generations in is that people expect more from a leader. You don't just get it because you're a parent or a leader. Your ability, your desire, and your competence in being a leader is more important now than ever because it will be tested to the hilt yeah, you, by... Yeah younger people coming in saying no 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 you don't get this just because you're director you get it because you show me you're worth it these whippersnappers i know i love them but i do you know what good for them because why should we just accept and actually i was always a bit of a rebel i never i i did you know i if i saw a policeman i'd be scared not because i'd done anything just because i was worried i'd done something but i i do have I respect authority, but I don't respect people who think they have authority because they have a label. Mm. That label does not give you power. What gives you power is how you treat people. So it's like um, earn the respect kind of thing rather than just demonstrate. Being, yeah. Demonstrate you've earned your right to be called a leader. Yeah, don't just use the fact that you have a leadership title to think I will do what you are telling me to do because that is totally the wrong way around. I feel like that's something which, yeah, I, I wonder how much of that has always been the case or been the case to a degree, but it's maybe more obvious now because of the level of, uh, the level of communication is so much greater between people as a result of, mm. you know, uh, technological advances. And so companies are having to be more... Um, transparent I uh, don't want to use the word authentic because I hate it um, but the um, but, but again the, another word that I love but probably hate it at the same time yeah for different reasons, I, I, I like the word but I, I don't like the way it's used I guess is what I mean uh, it's it's okay. overused it's, it's when it's used inauthentically or distant or, what is the word what's me, the opposite ugh, <laughs> you're making me feel horrific by using the word in that context um no but it's like it's words like resilience as well like i i love the word resilience but i hate how it's used how you used it earlier on with that definition i was just like yes yes but you, can so... i just say something just before you i know you you're going to come on to something very important i've already forgotten what it was say, good anyway um I have got a real problem with quotes and I just want to share one with you. And I'm finding myself getting angrier and angrier about quotes, which is, seems to be a little bit of a waste of time, but it has given me an idea. For example, I read this on, um, this on LinkedIn the other day. Remember, most of your stress comes first from the way you respond, not the way life is. Adjust your attitude and all that extra stress is gone. What a load of bollocks. <laughs> now, 
I mean, yes, it makes perfect sense to me and to some people, but actually most of us are going to read that and go, I now feel more of a failure because I don't know what to do with it. I think all of these should come with, I don't know I'm showing you because no one else can see this, but it's on here. Um, it's on my phone. Why aren't these coming with a health warning or a how-to guide? So this is going to be my next thing is any quote I see like that, I'm going to do a how-to guide so people actually can start using it as, as opposed to looking at it again. But I'm more of a failure because I can't do that. Maybe. Um, I don't know how I got onto that, but I no, just but I, let's you know, we, you know, tangents always, they always work out fine in the end. Um <laughs> <laughs> if that if we've learned anything from this from this recording um the i think as a business idea for us a joint venture is um this is two people with absolutely zero technical skill um when it comes to te technology so it's probably going to fail uh quite disappointingly um is a piece of software much the same way that facebook and instagram are using uh third party fact checkers in terms yeah. of misinformation and stuff like that. That's a topic for a whole other uh, discussion. Um, but a, a third-party fact checker for quotes on LinkedIn, and uh, it's called the Sarah Farmer bullshit warning. And <laughs> uh, what happens is, what happens is anytime anyone posts a motivational quote, there's a little warning added. If this person yeah. hasn't added it themselves, there's a little warning at the bottom added by you, just going, please bear in mind, this might be bullshit, <laughs> that's, well, that's it. also, please bear in mind, it probably isn't bullshit. Someone actually meant it when they said it, but what they haven't told you is how the hell you do it. Positive intent, again. Yes. People share these yes. quotes. And I've I've shared a lot of quotes, and I still do sometimes, um, you know. And but I, but I used to do it a lot. I used to share these little maxims which are completely out of context. And uh, because I like them, they're little sound bites, and they meant something to me because of the uh, the the frame of reference around it. Um, yes, I'd created but no a one else story. knew that, no, did they? But they've got all or they've got a different frame of reference entirely. And so now I see them. And that quote is a is a perfect example because it's the uh, to me that's victim blaming. To me, that's that's saying it's your fault it's that this shit good. happened to you. And it's like, well, it, and this was on this this was on Leadership Global LinkedIn page, and and I'm sorry, I love Leadership Global. I think there's some great stuff on there, and often their quotes and their their little pictures are fabulous. I was seriously disappointed with that because I think stuff like that is dangerous to put out. Yeah, it can be. I really it can do. be. I think it needs it needs context. And um, yeah. a friend of mine, um, a friend and kind of mentor, and just someone that I think is absolutely fantastic, a guy called Josh Connolly, posted something um, along these lines the other day. Again on LinkedIn, he shared a quote, um, and it was a quote from Stephen Bartlett, who's already come up once in this um, in this uh, conversation. I love Stephen Bartlett. He well, makes me go. happy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, don't blow this for me. Don't one. blow it. Um, no. So it's a big quote on uh, which it appears to be on the side of a building, but it, I think it's just been photoshopped on there, to be honest. I'm not sure whether it is actually on the side of an enormous billboard. But it says, anything that costs your mental health is too expensive. Look elsewhere. Stephen Bartlett. Now, the my friend uh, my friend Josh, um, Josh Connolly, who works in mental health, um, shared this quote uh, and, and in his caption I'm not going to read the entire caption but the first line just says I don't like this quote and so I started I started reading this this thing and I'll just I'll just share a couple of points that he made in it the, the, the first kind of main paragraph is I appreciate it likely comes from a good place and I know that we still need to do more to help people create better boundaries etc but it suffocates yeah. so much context and later down in the post he's talking about nuance and realism and again this nuance it, this is where 
you know, where I use the word context, it's it's lacking the the the, the subtlety. How? Yeah, and, and also everyone. How do you know? How do you know when? And this is the thing. I mean, so and you can't sorry, always very, look elsewhere. You can't. You always can't. Do that. Well, one, you can't always look elsewhere. And and I, I, I actually, I do. I saw that quote and I loved it. And I loved it for for several reasons. One is um, that, that it's true. It is too expensive. Um, anything that's cost your mental health. But the problem with it again is there is no how to guide. And yeah. what I see with my clients is they aren't able yet until we've done some work together to recognize before it's too late that it's cost them their mental health or why it's costing them their mental health and what they can do about it. All of that is missing. Now, Stephen Bartlett puts these quotes out and then he does a lot of context in his diary of a CEO. Um, so I still adore him. You haven't ruined my love for him, which I'll, is great. I'll try harder. No, no, don't. I still, I, I think he's amazing. Um, however, we, it may not be obvious to everybody where to go for that how-to guide so yeah. I think I think we've got a business opportunity here, Jay. Um, send us your quotes. So give, give us your quotes and we'll tell you how to actually make it your reality. How about that? I think, again, this comes from people love simplicity. And I love simplicity. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore simplicity. Um, and I think that keeping things simple is absolutely vital. But we can also over, oversimplify things into very black and white kind of things. And again... I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to lie. I like Stephen Bartlett too, but um, <laughs> I think that it's that thing again where he's, where, he, <laughs> where he's got um, he's got the best intent there. Uh, and there were people in the comments of this saying that his intent probably wasn't even that good. And they say, oh, he just wants his, his name's at the bottom of it. He's like just wants his name on a billboard kind of kind of attitude. Yeah, and, um, and who's got who's got the problem there? Yeah, no, absolutely. But I somebody think that, a bit jealous, possibly, of the way how well he's doing and how successful he's become. Maybe so, but then that's a judgment on that on that person based on one comment they've made on LinkedIn. Yeah, good at that. So <laughs> I think everyone is good at that. <laughs> hey, everyone is I may good be at a snap coach, judgments. but I can still make judgments. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and we all do. We all make snap judgments, and again, this is an evolutionary safety mechanism. We judge things as quickly as possible to yeah. deem whether they're dangerous or not. And so, this I want to believe that Stephen Bartlett was amazing. So there, I therefore I believe that the negative person yeah. has a problem. Confirmation that bias. That's called. Yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> so what? What I think is what I think is really um, is really important is if we can help people understand, and we can help ourselves do this as well. But it's not always yeah. as easy to help ourselves do it. So if we can kind of everyone support each other to understand that life isn't as simple as um, social media will have us believe, or that certain books will have us believe, or that um, certain teachings historically will have us believe. It's not as black and white as that. It is complex. It is chaotic. It's messy. It's nasty at times, uh, but sometimes it is fantastic and great and glorious. Mm. Um, and mm. and all of that is okay. And not only is all of it okay, but all of that is fantastic. Fantastic. Even the even the, the the horrible stuff that we have to go through is just part of the journey, and it, it, it has it has a place. And if we can understand that we don't need to distill everything down into a quotable maxim to stick on a billboard somewhere, not everything has to be simplified to that degree. Not everything has to be um, reduced down to its most basic level. We can keep, we can allow things to be complex and go. It's okay. I don't understand it. That's okay. We don't mm. need to understand everything. We don't need to simplify everything so we understand it. We can just go. You know what? I don't get that because that's mad. But that's cool. I don't need to get everything. Well, we use 
quotes are, I think, now misused and overused. And in all of the training I've ever done and when I've been trained well, people will use a bit of NLP, isn't it? People will put in pictures or words into the training process to help you engage, inspire you, encourage you. And as long as they're used properly and effectively at the right time for the right reason, they're incredibly powerful. So what we're really talking about is the fact that now everything is so globally available to anybody at any time. I can Google happy quotes and I'll get a gazillion happy quotes. And one of those gazillion might actually mean something to me. Um, But when they are being force fed to us, there's always going to be some people that it hits for the right reason at the right time, which is what we're doing it for. But the majority, maybe 75%, will go, what the hell? Um, but that's okay too. Yeah. You know, it, it's there is no right or wrong. However, I still would like to have a little how-to guide on them all. Yeah. And then it would be, you know, instead of just sticking the quote out, say, if you'd like to learn how to actually make this your reality, I'll give you a free yeah. webinar or something. Just help me. Yeah. Help me understand how I'm going to yeah. do it. Or a blog post, which goes into a or bit a more depth. To be honest, as well. Something or a even book just the or... post. Even just the post on social media. There's enough space in the caption to give some context. Yeah, true. But yeah. the, the the way this, I, I, I don't know how much have we talked about fitness in this. Probably not a lot. But the should um, we talk about fitness now? No, I think that we need to. I think I, you've worn me out, Sarah. Um, <laughs> I think you're supposed that, to be fit. I, yeah, but I went for a really late walk. Did I tell you? Um, oh yeah, yeah. I so your hair up. That was it. What What I will say though, for anyone listening to this who thinks this doesn't seem to be about fitness, if we use kind of my definition around fitness, which is your ability to cope with and recover from stress, and Sarah's approach to fitness that we touched on at the start, which is doing things which make your mind able to do the things you need your mind to do. And, and then if there's benefits to your body, then that's even better as well. You've got, you've got that bonus. Then all of this stuff and all of this understanding of yourself and your baggage and your conditioning and the stuff that's going on around you and the messages that you're being sold, they all increase your ability to deal with stress. Because all of these external, uh, external things are stressors. They are stressors Absolutely. on our system, either physically or mentally, um, or both in most cases. Uh, because obviously they're both linked. If we're mentally stressed, it manifests physically in our body. And mm-hmm. and so understanding these things, I mean, you talked about resilience um, and resilience really in a lot of ways is the same thing as fitness. It's your ability to know that stuff is going to be hard, but you're capable of dealing with it. And mm-hmm. all of the stuff that we've kind of touched on is, is, is stuff that we do have to deal with at, at some point in our lives. And therefore yeah. working on our own uh, physical fitness and working on our own mental fitness and the habits that we do day in day out will allow us to deal with the chaos that we have no control over because mm-hmm. when those things blindside us whether it is we are diagnosed with uh, a serious illness or a loved one passes away or a relationship breaks down or our business goes bankrupt or we lose our job uh, made redundant or um, a pandemic you know, happens yeah I mean who'd have thought it <laughs> eh? that seems like yeah. a, that seems like an absolutely kind of mental example to use but at the same time here we are um but anytime those things happen over the next 5 10 20 40 years um our fitness is what will get us through those things mentally and physically and 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 so although we can't control whether those things will happen to us or not you know we can't control whether someone's going to pull out of a junction in front of us we can't control whether um you know our, our our business um or the business the company we work for does a restructure we can't control those things 
but we can control things in the meantime to give us a better chance of surviving those things. And so yeah. really, or, or we've only talked about fitness. We haven't talked about anything else. <laughs> we have, we ha I, I, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, yes, we've talked about everything that makes it important for us to be mentally and physically well. And, and for most of us that it means fitness in some shape or form. Um, I personally could not, I can't function if I don't go to the gym. If I don't go to the gym and I haven't walked the dogs at speed, and bear in mind they're miniature chihuahuas, so they have to run, um, I don't feel good and I can't work. So mm. I know that's real for me. And, and I may not, you know, I may be an extreme example of that. Maybe other people don't feel it that much. But I know as we're getting into the sad days, you know, seasonal, seasonal effectiveness disorder is, is kicking in already. And it really got me on, I think it was Sunday. It was quite dark. And I, I sat in, I said, I don't want to go out. I don't want to do anything. And I made myself go to the gym and I felt so much better when I came home. I was nicer. I was happier. I was more relaxed. I suddenly thought of a LinkedIn post I wanted to write. I know it works for me, but what I'm trying to say is that just because I know it works doesn't mean I always want to do it. And that's something else we need to be very careful of people mm. understanding as well as just the ones that do it. Don't sit there going, yeah, yippee, I'm off to exercise. Some of us have to drag ourselves there, but we are different in the way that we choose to do that. We yeah. don't let it beat us and over, well, most of the time, sometimes I just choose to go back to bed, but which is, that's which okay sometimes too. That's, which the, is okay that's, too. that's the right choice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yes, this is all about fitness. It's all about mental and physical fitness and the importance of leaders to look after themselves and leaders to look after others and everything that that entails underneath all of that is 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 a whole other topic isn't it it is and that like that leads us very nicely in thank you very much into it's my pleasure the final question that i'd like to ask you which is if someone is listening to this if someone's made it this far first off well done um <laughs> are you mad yeah well they weren't before but they are now um <laughs> So if, if someone's listening to this and they go, well, that's all well and good, but um, what, you know, we're talking about great, but how, like with the quotes, yeah. Um, yeah. what would be your advice in terms of a first step for someone who wants to take um, a bit more personal responsibility to, for their well-being and improve their quality of life as a result? Um, where mm. would be your kind of your advised starting point? And then the same question for someone who's in a leadership position who wants to be that um, benevolent, supportive, positive leader in terms of the well-being of their people as well. Like where, where should they start? What's one piece of advice you would give them? Okay, uh, good questions. Um, so question number one, my answer would be the same as it would be for anything in life is you have to imagine what it's going to be like when you have achieved, and I know this is going to sound counterintuitive to what we've talked about in a minute, but let me explain. You have to imagine what success looks like. I want you to feel it. I want you to think it. I want you to breathe it. I want you to smell it. I want you to totally dream about it. And the reason you need to do that first before you do anything else is because we need to turn off the threat response, which is holding you back, the fear of change, the procrastination. It's all stopping you from taking that step that you need to, to take. 
And you can only overcome that innate fear response by feeling the joy of what is opposite to that. So that's the very first thing. And then the next thing I would do is take the tiniest step every day to start to move towards that goal. Keep feeling the dream, keep feeling about it, keep manifesting what success looks like, but do one tiny thing every day that is painless. It's not full of fear, it's just simple, like finding a gym, like buying some clothes that are getting you ready, something that takes you towards it. And if you keep doing that every day, you will start doing whatever it is you need to do and start to enjoy it without the fear and the threat response, which is the thing that's actually holding you back. Um, question two was around what do what can leaders do? Um, the same, I think. What do they want to achieve? Think about why they want to achieve it. How does it benefit the greater good, not just them? And then work back how to make that a reality and what is one thing you can do today. And also look at yourself. What do you need to do yourself to make sure that you can get that desire to help, the intent to make things better for others, a reality for more people? So how do you lead yourself? How do you communicate? How is your leadership? How good are you? How do you know how good you are? And before you start trying to, to excite and drag people along with you because you've had a great idea. That's... Um solid advice sage wisdom i would say why oh, thank you um and it is it is that small those small things they add up you don't need to do everything all at once no um sarah if people like you god knows why um but if people <laughs> like you where can they find you uh and and uh, consume more of your sage wisdom <laughs> even if they don't like me then they can come and consume my wisdom yeah and um, leave angry I'm, comments uh, on your posts yeah oh please do i love those they get me thinking um you can find me on linkedin i'm sarah farmer um I, i'm under executive coach so just come and have a look for me i don't know if there's any way of putting up links on this yeah, or I'll anywhere put the, but... i'll put the links in the show notes and also you can take a look at my website which is emr consulting limited so, but that all that information is on my LinkedIn profile. So have a look. There's lots of, um, I try to give a lot of helpful encouragement, advice, teaching um, to people. So there's plenty of posts on all these sorts of topics we've touched on today, which may help you. And I, I find that you do it in a, in a very personal and entertaining way as well. Like you, oh, you draw upon your own experiences. It's not just, it's not just waffle like it is with some people. Well, like with like it is no, with some really executive nice. coaches. <laughs> so yes, I approve. <laughs> I think well, everyone should go and follow Sarah. Oh, that's really kind of you. Thank you very much. Um, I don't see that people would want to read anything that's just like it's come out of a book. No. Um, we can all read the book, but actually, it's put it's putting it into context. If it's come out of my book, then it'll be amazing. Oh well, your book's ace. Everyone should read it. Obvs. <laughs> right, Sarah. Before we go off on any more tangents, um, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being so open and honest. Uh, and I look forward to chatting to you again very soon. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I look forward to catching up again soon. Thank you for listening to Fit to Lead with me, Jay Unwin. If you're not already connected with me on LinkedIn, come and find me using the link in the podcast description and say hello. If you want me to help you improve the fitness and well-being of your team and of yourself, let's set up a call. 
Until next time, stay fit, stay well, and keep leading from the front.